Welcome to the EMJ podcast. I'm Ellen Weber, Editor-in-Chief of the EMJ, and with me today is Brian Rowe, Professor of Emergency Medicine at the University of Alberta in Canada. And we're here to discuss his paper, which looks at diversion of patients away from the emergency department. It's entitled The Systematic Review, Examining the Impact of Redirecting Low-Acuity Patients Seeking Emergency Department Care. Is the juice worth the squeeze? So Brian, welcome and tell us, is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, thanks for um, inviting me, Ellen, and I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, Like a good McMaster graduate, I would say it all depends. When we did this research project, we were looking for high quality evidence to determine the efficacy, uh, effectiveness, and safety of diversion from uh, the EMS field um, and from the uh, emergency department. And what we found was really a lot of uh, information that was poor quality. And when we put it together, we really weren't sure that the efforts involved in doing the diversions were worth uh, all of that cost and time and surveillance. And so it's a provocative uh, title because we really, we don't really know at the end of this whether that effort is worth it. So your study concludes that there isn't sufficient evidence for this practice Do you have a sense of whether the problem is that the studies aren't well done or that this just isn't an effective way of controlling volume in the ED? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, The the quality of the evidence is not uh, spectacular. Uh, There's there's different designs, uh, different definitions of what a low acuity patient is. And, you know, if you look at the literature, low acuity could be... uh, a triage score. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, the the fact that a patient is ambulatory, and we all know that, uh, you know, really careful examination and and uh, testing on patients identifies some uh, some severe illnesses at at times, and neither one of those criteria would be. Um, uh, you know, really a valid way of looking at low acuity. So many of the papers just define it as we were looking for low acuity patients and that doesn't help another system replicate that study. So we, we really thought that the quality of the evidence was low uh, and um, the, the information that was provided really didn't give us enough evidence to say that we should all be doing this. So one of the things that struck me about the, a lot of these papers is that they go through great lengths to come up with a system to divert people out. Now, obviously, that must take some resources. And then at the end, many of them found only a small proportion of patients actually eligible to be diverted and then willing to be diverted. Is that the correct reading of your paper? Yeah, that's a that's a great summary. One of the things that uh, we found in the pre-hospital diversions, and these are not the, the classic ones where the ambulances are circling, looking for a hospital to take the patient. These are, these are interventions that were put in place so that the paramedics or the EMTs arrived at the, at the site where the patient was. They, um, in some cases, around 50% of those were deemed as eligible for diversion. And, um, in, in one study, 65% of those patients refused the diversion. 
So if you call the ambulance, the ambulance says you don't need us. They, and, and in the trial, they say, no, no, I, I want to go to the emergency department. I want to get seen by a, a specialist to see what's wrong with me. Um, that suggests to me that all the effort to do that work really doesn't um, materialize uh, in a lower volume emergency uh, department. And, and the, the next thing that happens is about 40% of those patients uh, were actually diverted um, you know, f in those studies. And then you know, if, if you're diverted, what happens to you afterwards? Do you just go to the emergency department anyway? Do you see your own doctor? Do you get hospitalized more often? And those were the kinds of outcomes we were most interested in. Uh, when people get diverted, there seems to be a little bit more acceptance of it in the emergency setting, but even still, a lot of effort in, in place. There's issues about safety for those patients. And, and at the end of the day, they're already in your department. And so those patients, to me, uh, unless you've got pretty strong evidence to suggest that that's safer, cheaper, you know, more convenient, the patients like it more, then that seems like not enough evidence to support interventions in the community to do that work. And to assume that every emergency department sees the same kind of patients is wrong. And so the interventions for each individual emergency department will be unique. So you're an emergency physician, and I'm sure you're experiencing, like the rest of us, increasing numbers of patients. Um, first question is, should we be sending them somewhere else, or should we just accept this? Um, and if we do feel like we're getting too busy, what is the alternative? Yeah, no, those are great questions, and they're really things that are facing almost every um, developed country and probably the middle, low and middle com income countries as well. What we've been doing in Canada is looking at, uh, at interviewing patients who have what we would consider sort of low acuity. Uh, in the Canadian triage and acuity scale, we would say those are CTAS level 5, 4, and 3. These are mostly ambulatory patients not coming in by ambulance. And we, we've interviewed them and we've asked them, you know, why are you here? Uh, what alternatives did you try? And, um, you know, do you think that this is the best place for you? And quite frankly, um, it's, it's very revealing. The health system has failed most of these patients. This is the best alternative for them. And they um, have tried many other things to avoid coming to the emergency department. That's the Canadian perspective, at least. And um, I, I, would, I would suspect most people would prefer not to wait in an emergency, a busy emergency department surrounded by other people who are ill um, uh, as an alternative to seeing their primary care provider or an alternative um, provider in the community. But the, the reality is that the focus has been on how do we reduce those patients in the emergency department rather than how do we do a better job in primary care in the community? I think that's a really good point and something, frankly, Brian, you and I are 100% agreement on this. And People come to the emergency department because, one, there's not an alternative that they can think of, and two, that they, you know, there's also this data in your country, my country, as, and all over the world that they trust us. So I've always said we've built a better mousetrap, and now we're living with that, so maybe we need to figure out one, how to accommodate that, but also, right, what is wrong with the rest of the system that people trust us, in fact, as much if not more than sometimes the outpatient system, which should be more convenient for them. Yeah, 
I, I agree. And I, I think one of the one of the things that patients see is uh, you can go to the emergency department. Yes, you might wait, but they've got lab x-ray consultants. They've got hospitalization if we need it. It's a one-stop shop. Whereas if you go to your doctor, um, sometimes the doctor says, go get some lab tests and we'll call you back. And, and you get your x-ray at one place, you go to another place for a lab, then three days later, someone calls you and said, oh, you have a pneumonia. Whereas that's all done in the emergency department. The other thing that's really interesting is uh, from, a, from a demographic, the younger, more social media savvy or, or computer literate people are not generally getting family doctors. They know, you know, through their own reading that, you know, I need to wear a helmet when I cycle, a seatbelt when I drive. I need to not drink and drive and now use cannabis and drive. And my blood pressure is okay. And I got a good family history. So what do I need the, the primary care provider for? The annual physical examination has been shown to be an ineffective intervention in primary care. So, you know, again, the f- the family doctors need to adjust to the new reality. And one of the ways that they've done that in some places in Canada is they don't book appointments. They have 3,000 people on their roster. And every morning at 8 o'clock, someone is manning the phones and uh, making appointments for the day. The family doctors like it more. The patients really respond to it. And the day is filled. And so the strategy in primary care may need to change to more of that open concept so that when people have an earache or they are coughing and they're short of breath, they can be seen by their primary care provider in a timely fashion, as opposed to being told, oh, you know, we, you're going to have to wait six weeks. Well, you're either dead or better. So you don't really need to be seen in six weeks. Exactly. I think that's a really good one. I think the model we have was built in a different era and also built in some extent in an era when people did home visits and that kind of thing when you were sick. Um, and also when we weren't so dependent on labs and so forth. And I think that is, we need, really need to rethink how we're delivering outpatient care, as well as figuring out how we can manage the increased numbers of people coming to us. Yeah, and, and I, I guess one of the other things is, I, I'm not saying, or our group is not saying that that this work should stop and we should we should return to uh, dealing with patients in the emergency department ourselves. What we're saying is that that definition is broadened to you know, anybody that's pretty ambulatory. Um, doesn't there's there's not enough evidence to say every every center in the country should be doing that, or every every paramedic program in the world should be doing that. Um, so I think what we need is better evidence. We need we need people to continue to look at at this as a strategy if that's what they want to do, but not implement it until there's evidence to suggest that it's a viable and safe strategy. Thank you so much. I think this has really opened the door for discussion about this whole methodology. And I think your, your paper is very helpful in seeing that we, maybe this is something we can be doing, but we just don't have the evidence for it yet. And certainly maybe it's, it's sort of not a one size fits all. It's uh, always my pleasure. Great to hear from you. For more details on this study, visit the EMJ website at emj.bmj.com.